to make sure that you, that you understood today, or at least that we all might un- understand it a little bit better, maybe. Uh, and that is this. <clears throat> um, as Jesus was, was hanging on the cross, um, the passers-by, there were uh, people who mocked him of, of all you know, shapes and sizes. But some of them said in particular, said this, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. That's an interesting thing. They would act, actually, they had misunderstood one of the things that Jesus had told them very early in his ministry, very early in the book of John. In John chapter 2, Jesus was speaking to some of the Jews, the, uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and it says this. It says in John chapter 2, verses 18 through 22, it says, then, Jesus dema- then the Jews, I'm sorry, demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. All right. Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. The question this morning that I had posed to you is, why did Jesus draw this connection between his body and the temple that was there in Jerusalem? Why did he tell them, why, why would he say something that would confuse them? And actually, you know, the, I, I talked about it a little bit last week, but the disciples were always, just seemed so baffled about what Jesus was saying so many times. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law didn't know how to take it. They thought that he was talking about the physical temple. So why did Jesus draw this connection between his body and the temple? Um, the temple, you remember in the Old Testament, of course, was the dwelling place of God. It was that place that, that once the Israelites had built it there for, for actually some very rare periods of time where the actual presence of God was there between the, the cherubim, uh, the angels on the Ark of the Covenant, there in that holiest place. Right? And, and there for very, very, very short periods of time when, when the glory of the Lord actually filled that holy place. It was his physical presence here on earth for some very rare times. And, and uh, that was the dwelling place of God uh, there for some time. But in Jesus' presence, uh, or in, in the present, in, but in Jesus, the presence of God does not come and go. In, in the temple, there were times, in, in, in the tabernacle, there were times that, that God's presence would come there, and then it would depart, and then at Jesus' time there, basically, there, the, the presence of God was not there. But in Jesus, the presence of God does not come and go. The presence of God is always there, even though he's fully man, he's also fully God. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. In Jesus Christ, God is always there. And here's the point of the sermon here this morning is, where you meet him, you meet God. Where you see Jesus Christ, whenever you see Jesus Christ doing what he did, you are seeing what God does. Whenever you are seeing Jesus Christ loving people and having compassion on them, you are seeing what God does. When you hear Jesus speaking in the, in the New Testament, you're hearing the very words of God. Amen? And where you meet Jesus Christ, there you meet God himself. Here's the connection. Jesus came to take the place of the temple as the meeting place with God. He came to take the place of the temple as the meeting place of God. For centuries, the temple had been a place where the Israelites met God, but there were a couple of drawbacks about it. If you weren't an Israelite, you weren't allowed there, right? 
And the other thing was, is this, there was only one person who could enter into the Holy of Holies. So there was only one person who could be in the presence of God one time each year. Everyone else was, ex- was excluded. No one else could approach, no one else could go into the Holy of Holies for fear that they would actually be struck dead by the holiness and the glory of God. Yeah? And Jesus came and he said, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. He started to call himself the temple, the meeting place of God. All right? With the coming of the Son in human flesh, there would be a profound change in, in what the Israelites had practiced. For, for years, for centuries, they came and they had brought their sacrifices and ritual sacrifices and washings and, and all these things at the temple. And they would come and they would bring an animal to sacrifice there at the temple. But at Jesus' time, when Jesus came, all that was done away with. There was no more need for sacrifice. And there was no more, there was no more, uh, at the time, there was only the high priest who could be a mediator between God and the people. And the way that the, the temple was set up, it was set up in, in, uh, in, 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 uh, in separations. And so you had the people outside, and then inside you have the priests doing their work. And then once a year, in the very inner courts, in the very inner place called the holiest place, in that place, the high priest only could go. And there was only one person who could enter there every, every, once every year. And that was the high priest. Jesus, referring to himself in Matthew chapter 12, he said, he was talking to the Israelites, uh, the Jews again, and he said, I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. You see, all of the Old Testament, all of the Old Testament that pointed to sacrifice was pointing to him. Year after year when the Israelites would go and they would make sacrifices for their sins to, so that the Lord could look over their sins because of the blood that was spilt by the, those innocent animals, Jesus Christ would be the ultimate lamb, the ultimate lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, you remember that's said in the scriptures. He would be the end of the ritual sacrifice. He would be the end of the temple. He would be the end of the high priest being the only mediator between God and man because uh, God met his people through the temple through those imperfect human high priests. But it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. He would become the end to all of that. He would become the ultimate high priest. He would be the ultimate sacrifice, and he would be the ultimate temple, the ultimate meeting place for, for God, where we could meet, where we could meet God. If you want to see God, if you want to meet him, if you want to know what God's like, there's only one place that we must go, and that is to Jesus Christ. He is the one. He is the one who is the, the, the God-man. Do you want to see God? In John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus said something amazing. He said, Jesus says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. He was talking to his disciples just the evening before he'd be crucified. And he said, you want to see God? Whoever has seen me has seen God. Do you want to know what God is like? Jesus would say in Matthew 11, no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Do you want to, do you want to know God? You must know him through Jesus Christ. Do you want to receive God? Let me tell you, that's a little bit of funny language for people maybe who, who didn't grow up in church. If you want to receive God, what we're talking about here is that there, there was a time that our sins had separated us from God. We could not reach him. We, we could not bridge the gap between us and God because he is holy and perfect 
and we are unholy and imperfect and, and separated by our own rebellion and by our own sins. We are separated from God. Yeah? We were separated from him forever. And so to know God and to meet God, once in the temple, only the high priest could reach him. Only the high priest could come into the presence of God. No one else could do it. But through Jesus Christ, he did away with the temple forever. He was the ultimate temple. He was the ultimate meeting place of God. And where the temple was temporary, where the temple was imperfect, where the temple was not a a perfect place for us to go and meet God, Jesus Christ became the perfect place for you and I to know and to meet and to see God and to receive him. You know, our lives are um, made up of times that we have varying needs for God, you know. Uh, it's, it's not really that we need him any less. It's that our realization grows that we need him more and more. Uh, but uh, there are times in our lives where we realize we have a greater need for him than others. You know, In great tragedy, most people, even people who don't necessarily believe in God or who have maybe not even sought him ever in their lives, in the midst of great tragedy or in the midst of great loss, it's like their eyes are opened and they see maybe for the first time, I need something greater than me. I need strength that I don't have, and, and that strength that I need has to come from some other place. And at that place, maybe there for the very first time, realizing their great need for God. It could be, though, that, that in, in not just a, a period of great need, but there are also those times in your lives that we come to kind of an awakening about our own sin, that we've done things and we've been so very selfish and, and so very self-centered with our lives, and we come to the place that we realize, I need forgiveness. I need something greater. I need something to relieve this burden of my sins because when I carry it and I carry this guilt and I carry this shame over my life, and even if I've never, you know, robbed a bank, robbed a bank or killed anybody, even if I've not done those things, my sin and your sin can be so heavy on us that we've been so selfish and so self-centered and so careless with our words or careless with our actions that we come under great pressure and great stress uh, on our shoulders as we carry that guilt and that shame. Have you been there? There's one place where you can have relief and forgiveness absolutely and completely. In the Old Testament days, they had to make sacrifice year after year after year, and an innocent animal had to be killed for the sacrifice, for a sacrifice for a family. Yeah? But in Jesus Christ, there was one sacrifice that, that, that covers them all. Amen? There's one sacrifice that covers them all. There's one sacrifice where we can take our sin and, and our burden and our shame and our guilt and we can lay them at the cross. And Jesus took on the, the penalty and, and the judgment and the wrath of God for all of those things and they're done away with forever. That you and I can walk away from the cross being freed from the burden of our sin. It's a miracle. It's an amazing act and work of God. Amen? And you and I can have that, that, that freedom from, the, from our own sin, and we didn't have to pay the penalty because Jesus Christ did it for us. Listen, it wasn't that God just simply overlooks our sin. The penalty and the punishment for our sin and the wrath of God on sin and his holiness, it had to be, the price had to be paid. And what we did this morning at the Lord's table is we remembered he paid the price for us. Listen, don't get up and walk out of here today if you've never known this, if you've never came to the cross and laid the burden of your sin down because Jesus paid the penalty for your sin and my sin 
every single one of us, he paid the penalty for it, and we don't have to carry it anymore. Amen? Amen. This is important. This is Christianity 101 stuff right here, isn't it? The penalty has been paid. The price has been paid. And we are no longer under guilt and shame if you'll lay your burden of your sin down at the cross and say, Lord Jesus, take away my sin. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you died to take away my sin. And if you will, by faith, just simply by faith, if you'll do that, he will forgive your sin and you can live a new life in him. Amen? Amen. Do you have a need for hope? You know, do you, do you have a need to know that uh, maybe a couple things, maybe in this life that maybe things are going to get better? Do you, need a, do you need to have hope for that? You know, I can look around the room here this morning. I can see people who've gone through incredible tragedy. Uh, I can look at people who've gone through incredible difficulty in their lives. I can look at people who struggle with maybe, maybe not, in a, not an acute happening, but a chronic something that has, has, uh, has, has their attention every day and, and dr- takes energy from them and takes the excitement of life maybe away from them at times. You know what I'm talking about? You need to know, we need to know as people, is that there's hope for a future and that there's hope for something better than this. You know, the best things, the best days, the best things, the best people, the best relationships in this life, listen, let me tell you, it is nothing in comparison to the hope to which we have. Are you with me? This is nothing in comparison. The very best day you've ever had is nothing like the glory that we will share with Jesus Christ when he comes again. Amen? We have hope for a future. Amen? And we are unique in this, you know? We are unique in this. We have the certainty of, of the word of God that, that our future is secure and our future is hope and our future, believe it or not, somehow, and you know, I, I say this all the time, but if it weren't in the scripture, I wouldn't believe it, but somehow you and I get to share in the glory of Christ. That's pretty good stuff. You think he deserves a reward from the Heavenly Father, from, from, from the Father Almighty? You think he does? It says, the, the scripture says that he shares that reward with all of us. It's incredible to me. It blows my mind. But, but the joy of heaven, you know, is, is ours. The glory of that place will be ours. And one day, the burdens of this life are going to be dover and done with. You know, our bodies aging, the uh, receding hairlines, the aches, the pains, the, 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 the arthritis, the cancers, the heartache, heartache of losing people who are around us, people who are close, that'll all be gone one day. And you know what we have to thank for it? Is that Jesus Christ took his life back up. And the Bible says that, that his life was like a first fruits. It was like the, the deposit of the very first of the sacrifice of what's to come. And when he was resurrected in his glorified body, the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says very specifically, just like he was raised in a glorified body, so will you be. Amen. That's incredible. That's amazing. We have an existence greater than this. You know, other parts of the scripture says, we're like strangers here. We're like, we're like foreigners here because we weren't necessarily created for this fallen place. We were created to meet God and to receive God and to be with him. And sin has separated us. But one day, and right now today, we can have forgiveness of our sins and we can walk with God in freedom from our sins and freedom from our guilt forever. And one day we'll walk with him again. We'll be in connection, right connection with him, with God again, in his very presence, right? 
right now his presence with us is through faith. But one day, our faith will become sight. Amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, it says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. I want you to think just for a minute what that might, must have meant to the Jewish readers who are reading it. People would have been scared to death, literally, to walk into the holy place. Do you understand what I'm talking about? See, anyone who walked into the holy place in the presence of God unworthy, <laughs> Old Testament dead on the spot, you know what I mean? Old, just dead on the spot. But, it, but the writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, where did that confidence, confidence come from? It came by his sacrifice. He has purified us, and he has, has taken away all of our sins, and he has made us holy in the sight of God that we might march right in to the holy place and the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Do you see the imagery that he's trying to portray? He says that, that curtain that separated all the people from the holy place and the presence of God, he says by his body is like the curtain and it's been opened up for us so that who now has access to God? Who now can receive him? Anyone who comes to believe and have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It, listen, it's not only that you can have your sins forgiven, it's that you and I may come very, right into the presence of God. It's an incredible thing. Again, if it weren't in the Scriptures, it would be hard to believe. Amen? It's just that way. It, could it really be this good? Could we really be in the presence of God despite all of my sin and all of my failings? Could it really be that way? Yeah. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ is that potent, and it, is that, it was that powerful that our sins have been removed from us. And we can walk in with confidence to God. We can walk into the most holy place and we there we can meet with him we can receive him and we can know our creator like we couldn't ever before right. here's the great thing about the cross and about the resurrection is that you and i can meet god he is approachable yeah he is approachable. He is not far off. He is not keeping his hand out from you, saying, I don't want to have anything to do with you because of your sin. He says, no, I welcome you with open arms because my son paid the penalty for your sins. And now when I look on your life, I see his perfect, holy, and perfect life. And he welcomes us with open arms. He is approachable, and he is knowable. You can know God when you read the scriptures and you read through the New Testament and you can see the mercy and the, and the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're looking at the actions of God here on earth. This is what he's like. This is what he does. This is the mercy and the forgiveness and the compassion that he has for all of us. And you can know his grace and forgiveness and he is within your reach even this morning. Even this morning. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. We thank you that he paid the penalty for our sins. And Lord, this morning we celebrate even more than that, though. We celebrate that he's come back from the grave. After three days, he came back from the grave. And we celebrate this morning that, that he said, he declared that he was the one who was better than the temple. 
He was the one that now that we can meet God, any of us, not by going to some physical place, not by, not by going on, on, on some venture where we go to the, the temple in Jerusalem, can we meet God, but by faith in Jesus Christ, any one of us can know God and to know his forgiveness and to know your forgiveness and to know uh, your mercy and your grace toward us. Heavenly Father, I pray for this morning, if there's anyone here, who does not know you, who have not received your forgiveness, who's never come to the cross and laid the burden of their sins down. Lord, I pray that this morning might be the day that they're set free. I pray this morning, Lord, might be the day that anyone who doesn't know you, who's never understood what the cross was all about, that, that, that Jesus came to be the better uh, temple, the place where we can meet you. Someone who's not understood the uh, that we have a hope for tomorrow because of the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray today that they would not leave without hope. I pray for someone who's struggling this morning who, who maybe knows the Lord Jesus Christ but, but struggles with every day, I, uh, with uh, the, just the circumstances of their days. Lord, I pray for them that they might come today and just realize, Lord, the great hope that you have for us. Just continue with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I just want to ask this morning, if you've never had that time, if you've never had that time where you have received forgiveness for your sins, if you're still carrying the burden and the guilt and the shame of your, for, uh, for your sins, I just ask you this morning, would you come forward just now? Would you just slip out of your aisle just now? Would you come and would you pray with me? And I will pray with you. And this morning, right now, at this moment, you can meet God. You can know him. You can know his mercy and forgiveness. You can know what it's like to be freed from your sins forever. To be freed from the guilt, to be freed from the, uh, from the shame. You, they can be done away with forever because the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is so powerful that it's taking care of your sins and all you have to do is believe in him and have faith in him. Would you do that just now? Would you come forward? you've not known the hope of the resurrection, if you've not known that there was something greater than this, if you've not known that there was something greater in, in this life and in the life to come, if you've not understood that before, but you want a part of it this morning, would you come this morning? Just slip down the aisle and come forward and, and pray together and the glory of Christ that, that Christ will know in heaven can be yours and can be mine. For the cross of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the, the empty tomb on Sunday. We thank you that we have a hope and a future, Lord, that you have planned for us, uh, that you have made for us in heaven with you in eternity forever. We thank you for Jesus Christ that, that by, by meeting him by faith that we meet and we receive uh, you, our Lord God. We thank you. We exalt you this morning. Lord, I pray now as we go out, Father, that we would be people who are, who are consumed with this this idea that we are freed from our sins. We've been set free, and we have a hope and a future forever in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen. Amen.
Listen, y'all have a great Easter. Thanks for being here today. Lord bless you. Y'all have a great week.